Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Um, as I mentioned in the first, uh, at the beginning of the first segment that we just had with Kent and Nico, what a terrific conversation. Uh, what a great leader he is of Memorial Hospital at Gulfport. And, um, you know, really doing a great job. But as I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, I wanted to share kind of a personal message with you today about the events that's happening, you know, around the country. Um, You know, I think a lot of people, you know, friend to friend, um, you know, within families, people are having conversations uh, about how their eyes have been opened to what, what Republican from Louisiana Mike Johnson calls the need for authentic reconciliation. That we are all ultimately uh, created equal. Uh, Mike Johnson actually has two sons, and one is an African American uh, adopted son, and so he's in a really good position. And he, one of the things he said this morning is that he can't, with confidence, say that both of his sons have an opportunity to do whatever they want to do in their lives going forward. That there may be some limitations for his black son, and so. You know, this is a this is a time for a lot of reflection, and, and you know, no different for me. The conversations that I'm having with my family and my son Justin, uh, who I want to introduce you to now, Justin, you can bring him in, Kyle. Hey, Justin, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing great, Dad. How are y'all? <laughs> good. So, Justin, um, he went to St. James Elementary, went to St. Patrick's uh, High School, went on to Auburn University, and then from there. He went to work for Pricewaterhouse in Houston and New York. He really works all over the country, and he's got his southern friends from Auburn. He's got his his other friends that are from literally all points uh, of the United States. And then he spent a considerable amount of time down in South America and in Europe. Uh, spent you know lived the summer in Spain learning uh, in, uh, 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 Spanish, and he's got um, he's, he really has friends literally all over the world. And so it's been interesting talking to Justin about the conversations that he's had with himself and, of course, the conversations that he and I have, but also the conversations he's having with his friends. Why this situation that we just dealt with, with George Floyd's brutal death being different. And, um, and I just thought it would be helpful to share the conversations that we've been having. So with that, I, Justin, I'm just curious, you know, why don't you, I, I don't know where the best place to start, but why don't you, why don't you share why you think this is different? Yeah, you know, I think the video of Derek Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd's neck was so graphic and so undisputably bad and evil that it it opened a lot of people's eyes to, okay, wait, if this situation happened and if this is unrefutably a bad thing, then, you know, what happened to all these other cases, all these other cases with police brutality or, 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 you know, white people killing black people, what, what happened in these situations? And have I been right to think that maybe it was just a bad apple or maybe that there was just small pockets of racism in small parts of the country, but it's not really a big issue? You know, was I right? And I think the answer to that question is no, um, and that this has been a, a longstanding uh, issue in our country. And I think that um, for people my age, I mean, first of all, seeing the video is one thing, but then seeing the reaction after the video and seeing and hearing so many stories of oppression and racism 
um, from our friends and from friends of friends and, and, you know, being having so much access to so much content on the subject, I think it's completely changed the conversation and opened the eyes to a lot of people who have had, quite frankly, the privilege of ignoring it for so long um, to how bad the problem really is. Um, and I think that's why this is ultimately different. And ultimately, I think hopefully a time of great change is because there's so much information out there. And, and so it's so easily accessible to so many people, especially my age. So one of the things, but yeah, one of the things you said to me early on is that given the way you were raised, you didn't, you didn't, you, you maybe didn't see the problem the way that it's being, you know, the way that you're seeing it today. Talk more about that. Yeah, you know, obviously, you and mom did a great job of raising my brother and sister and I to be um, not racist at all. I mean, we we were taught really not to see race very much when we when we saw other people and to really judge people for who they are, not what they look like. Um, and I was very proud of that for my entire I'm still very proud of that, that I was raised that way. But what I realized in this situation is that not being racist is not enough. And to say that you don't see color or that, you know, you don't judge people by their race is really in a way something that only white people can say because people, black people in this country live by the reality that people judge them all the time for, for their race and what they look like. So in a lot of ways, it's not enough to not be racist. You really have to take a forcible stance and say, I'm going to be an anti-racist and I'm going to actively work to change the way people think about race. Um, and ultimately, you know, lead us a little bit towards that that vision that we've always had for our country, that everybody's equal. Yeah, I remember, you know, I told you the story of David Francis, my dear friend in, in New Orleans, who um, was the first black um, African-American publisher of the Times-Picayune. And I was proud to, to, to promote him to that position. He's such a dear friend. And we had this t discussion once about racial profiling. And he said, you know, you can't have racial profiling. And here's the reason why. And he explained it to me. And he ultimately talked to me about the conversations that he had to have with his kids, that if they get pulled over, they can't take their hands off the steering wheel and they can't make any sudden moves. And then he looks at me and he says, you haven't had that conversation with your kids, have you? And I thought, wow, I haven't. So, you know, it's um, that, you know, when you think about it in those contexts, you think about what Mike Johnson said today, you know, the Republican from Louisiana who has an African-American son and a white son, it hits you that there, we, we can't be in a place in America where we have different conversations with our kids. And, uh, and we never, I mean, there was never a need for us to have that conversation, was there, Justin? No, and it's kind of interesting, too, because I remember you telling me that story of David and his conversation with his kids, probably, you know, whenever you were in New Orleans, so five, six, seven years ago. And that was the first time I really realized how different things really were, but it just kind of took a back seat. And then, you know, I went to work for PwC and, and it's a super um, diverse, super accepting, super inclusive firm, which to be fair, we still have a lot of work to do as well. But going into PwC and being exposed to people from different backgrounds and being exposed to the importance of diver diversity inclusion, you know, you started to learn a lot. But then when George Floyd happens, it's like it all kind of it kind of hits. It's, it's similar to how we talk about COVID, where you have these like decade long trends 
that are leading, you know, leading up to change. And then COVID happens, everybody's forced to change really quickly and go virtual and all these different things. I think similarly with George Floyd, a lot's been happening over the past, you know, decade, two decades, and really the history of our country. But it all just kind of came to a, a, a point now where we have to address it and where it can't take a backseat anymore. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So I, I hear that. And I say that on the show all the time that trends that were in place prior to, you know, this economic disaster, I said this before Katrina, I mean, after Katrina, whatever those trends were before Katrina, that after Katrina, they were going to be sped up. So, you know, whether it's a business or whether it's societal issues, you know, the, the, these issues are going to be sped up. And I think, you know, we there was this inflection point in America that COVID sort of created. And then the George Floyd thing happened and it gave people an opportunity to focus. And 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 something really profound happened that, that meant, meant that this this is a different situation now. And we're going to we're going to seek reforms. And I said on the show many times that, you know, part of it's just about creating the a crack in the consciousness of people who maybe didn't understand what this was all about and getting them to open their minds and their heart and, and just think about it and talk about it. You know, some of this is about reforms and, and the way criminal justice system works. There are economic reforms that probably can be made. There's, there's a, you know, there are some short-term things, some intermediate and some long-term things. We're not going to solve America's problems today. But one of the things we can do is just start the process. <clears throat> and, the, and the beginning of the process, just opening people's hearts. Um, one of the things that that um, really um, well actually it didn't surprise me about the conversations that you're having with your friends is how much you're talking about it. So tell me how uh, is there a difference between the conversations with say your New York friends than say your 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 Auburn buddies that you stay so close with? You know, it's kind of interesting because you would imagine those conversations are probably pretty different for the majority of issues in the country. Uh, but with this one, they're so interestingly similar. Um, you know, my friends from, you know, all parts of the South, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, um, we're all having these conversations. And, and it's amazing to see how unified people are on it. You know, some people may not fully understand the issue of racism and systematic racism and, you know, the kind of micro and macro effects of that. Um, and, and truthfully, I'm still got a long way to go before I really understand it, or you're even close to understanding, you know, what the black experience in this country really is. Um, but it's interesting to see how unified people are to going on that journey and to understand and to say, man, you know, things are like, when I saw like a perfect example, when we saw Colin Kaepernick kneeling, you know, Justin, let's do flag. Just, Justin, let's do this. Let's do this. We're, we're, we're coming to the end of this segment. What, let's pick it up from there, and we'll continue the conversation. So, this is my son Justin Matthews, and we're just sort of revealing the conversations that he and I have been having about this situation. We'll see you after the break. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.